Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Here's the Thing podcast here at Louisville Baptist Church. It's been some weeks since we have been together and since we've been in your iPod or vehicle speakers or wherever you happen to be listening this week. We had a few weeks go by where we were sort of out of series doing some uh, one-off type of Sundays, and uh, they didn't lend themselves to this discussion as much. But we're back into another series, and uh, we felt pretty good about the response we had from the the podcast in our first uh, series that we tackled. So we thought we would get back into the discussion. As you may or may not know, this podcast is hopefully designed to be sort of a furtherance of the discussion from the teaching each Sunday that we dive a little deeper or a little wider into the topic that uh, whatever it is that we were hearing from uh, Gord or whoever's preaching that week. Um, so I'm back with the same two guys as before over here on my left. I'm here. I'm uh, sitting here. Just bought a new hat. My wife doesn't know yet. Don't tell her. <laughs> She'll find out. That's Mark Moore, our tech director here at Louisville. And of Your course, secret is safe with us. That secret safe voice and is thousands of listeners. Pastor Gord is here as well. Good to have you both back. I say back, but we've been here all along. We just Yeah, we've been hanging out. We just didn't do this. We just sat down with no mics in front of us. Now there are mics in front of us. So after that long meandering and awkward introduction, why don't we head back into the the, the topic at hand? So we just started this new series and it's called A Gracious Choice and it's all about worship and uh, we lifted that line from an old hymn called Come Christians Join to Sing, and uh, decided to use it to sort of paint the picture of where we're going with this entire series on worship. And that's a pretty big uh, topic if you really want to actually get into it, um, which I hope we will. Uh, but this week, maybe, Gord, you could give us, just in the in the tradition of this podcast, as traditional as it is, uh, give us that... Uh, sort of recap of where we went this Sunday, just a couple of minutes to remind us of what the teaching was for this week in the first week. Yeah, referring to that hymn, um, let all with heart and voice before his throne rejoice. Praise is his gracious choice. Worship is God's idea. That was his choice. He could have asked for anything, and uh, what he asked for is our worship. And uh, we took a look at Revelation chapter 5, which is a glimpse into heaven and what goes on there. And uh, John was given that glimpse. And in that glimpse, um, John starts brokenhearted, really, because um, there is a scroll, but there's no one worthy to open the scroll. And then uh, the statement is made, there is one who is worthy to open the scroll, and it's Jesus. And... Um, then worship breaks out. And um, we just made a, a few observations. And, and the whole thing is, worship is the only thing that we begin here that will continue when we get to heaven. Evangelism will be gone. There will be no need for teaching. There will be no need because we will know even as we are known. Um, so some of the things we do now as Christians will be gone. Worship is not one of them. Worship will continue. And so it's helpful to look at heaven and say, well, how do they do it there? What's it look like there? Uh, because it can guide how we do it here. If this is a, a practice run for when we get there, 
then we ought to be looking for some of the th same things in our worship here that um, happen there. And we made three observations. One, it's directed to Jesus. And in that case, you know, we don't see Jesus physically here when we worship. Um, but that's not to say he doesn't see and he doesn't hear. But in heaven, uh, they, we will see him as he is. He is the lamb in that picture, a lamb as if slain. He's called the Lion of Judah. And so it's directed to him. Worthy are you. And then uh, there's an opportunity in that for the truth to be declared about Jesus. We don't worship Jesus because he's the boss's son who got the keys to the company. We worship Jesus because he has demonstrated his worthiness. And specifically in that passage, it's because it was you, Jesus, that was offered. Uh, your shed blood. You redeemed a people from every tribe, tongue, language, nation. Uh, you. And so we get to declare his worthiness based on the truth of who he is. And then you can't look at that picture when you get myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands and you get the, the, um, the elders, the 24 elders gathered together and their response to Jesus is to say amen and worship. Worship is huge in heaven. It is a big, big, big thing. Uh, because they see, they are confronted with the worthy Jesus. And um, we too, in the word, have been confronted with the worthy Jesus. And so, that's where we went. Hmm. So, here's a question, maybe maybe loaded, maybe not. But uh, we, I would say we probably haven't done a, a specific worship teaching series in a while. Um it's certainly woven into, I'd like to think, most of what we do. And there's there, there's teaching that occurs just by virtue of how we approach it around here. But just strictly speaking, a specific teaching series, uh, sermon series on the topic of worship. It's been a little while for us. Uh, so what, what led to this decision? Why is it important? Why now? What, uh, what, what are you hoping... Uh, for this series going forward. Is it okay for me to back up a ways? I sure hope so. Yeah, I will back up a ways. Uh, when we first started to transition the ministry here, one of the things we realized, and this is 17 years ago now, one of the things we realized was that the worship needed to, to transition as well. And uh, we made some decisions about worship. And uh, Sonny, it was you and I back in those days when we were talking about and what should this look like. And um, there were some decisions made about the music we would use, the type of music, who would be involved in leading, that kind of thing. Now, one of the things we didn't do back in those days, uh, you know, the worship wars were uh, in full bore then, and uh, there was some trouble over the, the style of worship and so on. We probably didn't do a great job of telling people why. And I would I would say probably uh, you could probably strike probably from that sentence. Okay, well, <laughs> we didn't do a good enough job of telling people why, and we didn't tell them often enough why. 
and and then you know we began to get a little better at that and we made the transition and we got to a pretty good place but we're at a place now again to come to the heart of your question uh, where we have grown and there are a lot of people now who weren't here when we made that transition and as we got to a better place there have been a lot of people come to us since then. Probably more than half of our people have never been in on a why of worship. There arose a generation who knew there, not who knew did. not the worship why, right. and uh, so we just felt like it was probably time for us to go back. We are heading into the building campaign. We've got uh, a great group. We've got new people coming every week. So it was just time to revisit that. And would it be fair to say, to make an assumption that the, the, I guess, the landscape of worship now across the board in the modern church in the West, whatever you want to say, looks a lot more like this in most churches, in many churches, I guess I would say, anyway. There, there's, there's certainly not, um, it's not, unique like there the the transition that you referred to has taken place in a lot of churches who probably have a similar story so i say all that to say that it there could be a number of assumptions of why a church approaches the way approaches worship the way it does uh because so many people are are approaching it the same way that um that we need to remind ourselves why we're making the choices that we're making and then mm-hmm. that they're not just uh trend driven or uh passive you might say i guess is that a fair yeah, statement there, i think there are two things sonny that uh two assumptions people make that are incorrect and um one that we're doing what we do because other churches have done that and so it's kind of a, a matter of getting on board with what's going on in the modern church That's not true for us for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, um, we were doing this before many here were doing it. And I'm not saying that in any kind of a a boastful way or trying to say anything about that. But we had to come to this place by other means. We had to make some good decisions. And some will also say, well, you're just trying to mirror the world around you. Uh, those would be the two big mistakes uh, because we're where we are because we labored over the the biblical uh, basis for why we would do what we do, and we made our decisions based on that. And so it's good every once in a while just to revisit that and to reassure our people that we're just not either A, following trends of other churches, or B, we're still following the world and trying to mirror that but that we're where we are because biblically we see it and as well we are trying to be helpful to the church, both right. our own and the big C church. Right. And I, and I would I would say, which I think you're implying as well, is that each church's journey is its own and regardless of how similar the result may be, 
uh, our assumption is that many of these other churches you referred to have gone on that same journey, and mm-hmm. we we wouldn't want to assume how they got there or uh, or or suggest that they are following a trend and we're not or anything like that. Yeah, it, it, it but it's the same. It, it should be the same, I think, for every church, right. and not only in worship but in the way you conduct lots of ministries. Mm -hmm. Do you do it because it's the next big thing that comes down the pipe, or do you do it because this fits with who you are, what God's calling you to do, and therefore it's a good idea ministry-wise, biblically? Um, And I think that crosses a bunch of lines. Why do you preach the way you do? Mm -hmm. Why do you teach? Uh, why does children's ministry unfold in a particular way or youth ministry unfold in a particular way or pastoral care or congregational care or why do you do it? It, it has to reflect not only a biblical basis but also who you are as a congregation and who God's calling you to be. It's not automatically bad because everybody else is doing it a certain no. way. Yeah, that's why I, I was just going to say there's there needs to be merit in knowing that um, – you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Like if there's other stuff, if you can see other churches doing stuff and it's going well, and you're like, you know what? This is, you know, it hit it hits the cult, you know, the cultural text box, and it still hits the biblical text box. Like there's 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 no shame in going in that same direction. Yeah, I was gonna say that the other end of my thought was it's not automatically bad because everyone else is doing it, mm-hmm. but it's not automatically good because good, everyone yeah, exactly. else is doing it. Yeah. Is that if the one thing I would say that everyone should do the same way is take their own journey to what God has for mm-hmm. them. And mm-hmm. if what comes out the other end looks very similar to something that someone else is doing, it's totally fine. You don't have to abandon it because no. it looks the same. But but take your own journey of why and who you are and who you're called to be as a church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if the results are the same as the guys that you look up to, so be it. But don't start... Don't there start say, there. They did that, and they get those results. So yeah. we're just going to do that, and we'll get the same results. You know, the big help can be if you say we're going to look at how we're gifted as a church, and it's not only individual believers who are gifted. I believe that churches are gifted. Churches have certain gifts that typify them as a church family. And that was a, that was a milestone experience for us to Huge. go down that journey. Huge. It's what led us to our here to serve. Here to serve. Yep. We, we we realized that we had if you will, the church gift of hospitality, uh-huh. which meant then that we could host the community. We should host the community. And we find it easy to host the community. And the community uh, is ministered to, served, because we follow that. Mm-hmm. But it's not only that, it's, it's what is God calling us to. It's not only what are we gifted to do, but when you see need and you see gifting, those two together will will point you at least in the direction of the what you should be doing and that led us to here to serve and so there you know there are some uh, there are some aspects that churches need to wrestle through the one thing that would help i think with churches is if you see another church that has gone the direction you're thinking of going but maybe you're a little nervous about that it can be an encouragement and an affirmation that, yeah, well, you know, I know it's a little new, but look at them over there. They're doing that, and God's using that over there for them. Mm-hmm. Don't start there, no. but if that's where God's leading you, then you can say, you know what? That that might not be a bad thing if God's calling us there too. Right. 
don't need to feel compelled nor prevented nor prevented by what what other folks are doing if mm -hmm. we are really all on the same team so to speak yeah um i was gonna this is not necessary this is on on the same trajectory but not necessarily right out of the teaching from sunday uh and maybe i'll catch you a little off guard but I would say from my perspective as the, the worship guy, the worship leader here, um, one of the things, I, if ever I'm asked outside of these walls about values or the helpful things I could add, one of them that certainly comes up often is the, the role that your senior leadership has in uh, the worship culture at your church. And part of that is uh, the, we, you and I spent a lot of time kind of hammering out a theology of worship and a philosophy of worship uh, together so that it was, you know, certainly influenced and directed by you, but understood and agreed upon by both of us. So we were coming from the same place mm -hmm. and that your, your voice, it, it's never been a, I'll do the preaching, you do the worship, we'll see on Sunday kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We've tried to journey that as one thing. And your influence in our, our orientation and, and onboarding new people. Uh, you mentioned on Sunday that you're you're always there sharing that part. And part of why I love that is, A, you're gifted at it. But B, uh, it shows our folks that this is this is connected right through everything we do. It's not We're not an island, the worship ministry. This is part of the ministry of the entire church and is valued by our senior leadership. I'm taking a long time to ask this question, but I wanted to say all that. The now I'm scared to death of what the question's going to be. Well, one of the values that I think matters to us, for us, um, and it might seem subtle, but it is not to me, is that you are a worshiper in our context as well, and that um, I've, I've experienced, and I, I don't want to step in anything, but I've seen it, and I've had questions asked about it where the senior leadership is at the back going over their notes during the worship time until it's their turn to preach or, or involved in something else. And, and I guess I should steer away from the negative example and lean on the positive one for us, which is you are front row every week and leading the charge as far as participation in the worship. And, and as a worship leader, I would say that changes things for us as a group and it matters uh, to the to the temperature and the the culture and the tone here for sure, and the question I had was uh, how did, as somebody called to preach and teach and uh, and that sort of path, where did that come from for you, and how much of it was intentional as part of your journey, and how much of it is who you are, and uh, how do you, is that is that something you are intentional about or think about or it's a big question. I really yeah, it is a big question, but let, I, it goes back further than I can remember. So, you know, there are those who used to even refer to the worship as the run-up to the message. The preliminaries, right? The preliminaries, <laughs> and it always bothered me so much because if a, if a preacher is not a worshiper, and I'm not talking about a, a theoretical, hypothetical worshiper. If the preacher is not actively a worshiper and seen to be, 
then that person has no right to expect anyone else to be. You can't lead anyone to anywhere you haven't been yourself. And there's, there's just, you know, when I was a youth pastor, they used to say things like, and I remember teaching, you know, when people would ask me, what do, you, what do you have to do to be a youth pastor? And I said, well, you have to spend time with kids, and there's no replacement for that, and you have to love them, and they'll know the difference. And I think when I became a senior pastor, it became, you need to be a worshiper. So I think, let, let me just say where I think it began. I, when I was at the church in Ottawa, we had the three big chairs up front, the thrones, we called them. Every, most churches have them or have had them. The more traditional ones do. And um, we just reached the point where I realized that I needed to be a worshiper and I needed to come from among the people. So we took the thrones off the platform. We left the pool. <gasps> I know, I know. And you know what? The roof stayed up. I know that would be the that would be the big thing, right? The roof did not fall in. I I'm, feel like I feel like my job in this is just to interject every ten minutes and say something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> well, I was gonna say that if people are nodding off in this at all, that gas will bring them back. Because it, I gotta say, wearing headphones and hearing that come out of nowhere put a start into me. I'll yeah. be honest. Sorry. Continue. No, well. So I started sitting with my wife and worshiping. And then when it was time to preach, I came out from the crowd. And if we believe our theology that giftings are just giftings from the Holy Spirit, they're not special entitlements, they're not beyond the privilege of exercising the gift there's no personal privilege for me so if i was going if my gift at at the church was preaching and teaching then i should come out from among the people to exercise that and so we took the chairs off the worship leader would lead and then at the appropriate time i would come up and i would open my bible and notes and start to teach mm. and uh i i just you want to lean away from the negative examples. I'm just going to say, if you've got preachers out there and preachers, you're thinking that you can stand at the back uh, and joke or talk or whisper or go through your notes and that that doesn't have an impact, you're dead wrong because you're teaching that you think Worship is important for your people, but not for you. Mm. It's the same thing that happens if you're sitting at the front. And I've been a speaker at enough conferences that, you know, you have someone come up who's got to, absolutely got to talk to you about something during the worship time. And I had gotten to the point of saying to the leaders, don't have someone come to me while we're worshiping. Don't do it, because I've seen enough where the speaker is up front and he's leaning over and they're joking and they're elbowing and they're and what it says is worship is for everyone in the place but us mm. and i'm going to lean into the negative i'm sorry but but i i would just say don't and and i would say from my experience um there was a day when i was a young new worship leader <laughs> it's not today let's be fair 
the young part, at least. <laughs> but when I was... You're still um, playing new and hip songs. <laughs> yeah, and, and sure he's, he's only turning 39 tomorrow. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah, boy. Um, so if you, if you are bringing up young worship leaders, young folks who are getting into this and learning and getting their feet, especially in that case, the, the difference that that makes for that person to feel like they are uh, supported, they're part of something, that what they're doing matters, that if they feel like they're out of their depth standing up there in front of all of these people, that their, you know, their general is in the foxhole with them, it makes, it makes a difference to that person, if nothing else, yeah. certainly. And, and if nothing else, but I would, I would offer one more observation. As the preacher... And we have times, everybody knows, that when the Holy Spirit shows up for me, I cry. Everybody knows this. There are tears for me, tears in worship. Some songs, I cannot sing them because the words just won't come. I just stand with a hand in the air and I cry. And I will say to Sonny and sometimes say to the congregation here, oh, I'm just wrecked this morning. That right there is one of the best preparations for approaching the word that I could ever imagine. This sense of the yeah, profound presence of God. And yes, I'm crying, and yes, my eyes are red, and yes, I'm sniffing. Right. But the presence of the Holy Spirit, because I have worshipped, actively worshipped, uh, is a tremendous prep. Yeah, I, if you for actually, the if, word. You, if you asked a preacher, you know, if I gave you twenty minutes, the last twenty minutes before you're going to speak, and you could choose going over your recipe cards, or focused on and immersed in the presence of God <laughs> among His people. Yeah, I know where I'm going. Which, well, you know, the, there's a Sunday school answer there, but it's, the cliches are true. Like I, I think, and I hope. That, that that would be the choice everybody would make. It seems like a slam dunk to me when you yeah. when you put it in those terms. And we don't, I guess. Like that's the problem. You don't think of it that way, but when you do. Now it was funny. I had a real test on Sunday. I have granddaughters and a grandson, but three granddaughters, and uh, one of them wanted to be with Grampy. And she ran up on Sunday. Now, here I am. It's the first Sunday talking about worship. I want to minimize distractions. And she runs up and slams into my legs, wrapping both arms around. And it would be easy as a grandfather to spend the rest of that time talking to her and nuzzling with her and all the rest of it. And I felt it was an opportunity for her to see Grampy up close, just worshiping. Yeah, and the, the, it's a it's a it's a good choice, better choice thing, right? Because yeah. nobody yeah. is going to, on the face of it, say focusing on her and hearing her and spending time with her and whatever is that, that, that would somehow be choice. awful. But if you if you take the the long view of it and have her as an adult, hopefully with a a relationship with Jesus and sorting out worship for herself. And she looks back and says, I remember 
you know, when, and whether she does or she doesn't, but you stack enough of those together, that, that kind of influence is, that's a different level. If at my funeral, she says, I remember as a little girl running to Grampy, mm-hmm. and it didn't stop him from worshiping Jesus. He picked me up and gave me a hug, and I was welcome, but... But he yeah. held me on his hip, and he worshiped Jesus mm-hmm. with a hand in the air. That, for me, is a home run. Right. They talk about that a lot in, in parenting with, you know, if you want to be a good father to your son, love his mother well. That's right. the example. And I think that there's a, a bigger version of that. Bigger version. Yeah. Disciple kids love Jesus well in front of them, and, and that will yeah. make a bigger difference in anything you ever tell them, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, it's kind of a, it's, it's a, it's a little bit of an aside, but um, with all, with Gore, with you talking about how important it is for you to be in, you know, in the worship environment and the space and everything, I think it just, like, with our worship training, it just, that shows a big example. Yeah, we do a tryout, and people have to prove that they can actually play an instrument or sing or whatever, but a massive part of it is actually having sitting down and we explain why we do what we do. Uh-huh. And Gord, you lead it from the top down, right? It's right. it's not just yeah. son or me talking about, okay, well, this is our etiquette and, you know, make sure you don't play bad notes and whatever. It's you talking about why we do what we do. And, and we get there. We get to the, this is the etiquette, mm-hmm. this is the nuts and bolts, but mm-hmm. we start with... With a, with a good foundation. Here's why and yeah. here's where we're coming from and here's mm-hmm. why those decisions matter and here's mm-hmm. why we make them in one mm-hmm. direction versus another. And yeah. that and that help helps train them up from from the ground up saying, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, that's why we are in the service and that's right. why we aren't but just... But people would say, you know, there was a, a... People used to ask... How do you do discipleship? Well, discipleship is a really simple model, really, in the end. You tell people how, you show them how, you let them try it. Mm-hmm. Then you you do a debrief. Scold them terribly. <laughs> Shame them. <laughs> and then let them try it again. Now, if that's true, then not only do we have the training where we tell them how, mm-hmm. But then Sonny and myself and everyone else involved needs to show them how. Every member of our team, every member of our tech team, and that and me included, we need to be worshipers first. Right. If we're going to expect that of our people, if we want to lead them to that place, if I want to lead my granddaughter to a good place, she has to see me as a worshiper. And maybe someday, 10 years from now, when she's an early teen, she will be standing with her hand in the air and my heart will be made glad. And more importantly, Jesus' heart will be made glad because he will feel loved, honored, and adored by her. And that, that's a, uh, a value or a, or a concept that, that actually comes out in my own worship leading, I think, in the sense that I spend, not that I never do, but I spend far less time saying put your hands in the air or let's clap or, you know, giving direction for expression as I do modeling it. So if I think this part of the song would, it would be a natural or a valuable thing for us to put our hands in the air rather than say that generally I choose to just do that and, and have people be given permission by my modeling Mm -hmm. of it 
Which I which I think it it's taken us a while to get there from you know and even you when know, we talk about when we transitioned when I was still in middle school or whenever it was but um, which is funny because that makes you feel really old doesn't it yeah a little bit <laughs> but um, it's taken us a while to get there but now people are feeling freer or more free or whatever the phrase should be to to express themselves how they need to because it's not up to us to say like all right everyone should clap because that's how you need to worship at this moment or but everyone right. needs but to see, put their hands see that's not in. the win is it mark no exactly it's not the win that people will clap their hands that's easy to have happen or put a hand in the air that's yep. easy to have happen especially right. if you tell them it, w- right. well that's yeah. what i'm meaning you if can, you, you tell can them, manipulate the result you're looking for a- absolutely but mm-hmm. that's not the win the win is when they will hear the holy spirit mm-hmm. and their hearts will be so captured by the holy spirit that some things will show up that I don't need to direct. Right. You don't need to direct. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's we, the win. Yeah. We just keep setting the table and placing the meal in front of people. And, yeah. And I know it's uh, it's about time for us to wrap up. I'm going to give you a parting question that you can maybe give us one or two lines of an answer for. Okay. Um, that's a, a bit of pressure, but um, if you were to sort of summarize what your hopes are for us as a church coming out the end of this series if there's sort of a terminal behavior for us yeah what uh how would you characterize that in just a couple of lines as we wrap it up i would want people to see worship for what it is almost picture jesus at the front and sing and express to him do everything we can that he would feel loved honored and adored and if you've been held back, it just just let that go. Let the Holy Spirit free you to offer up. Get down on your knees. Get down on your face, which is a, a strong biblical response, by the way, worship-wise. Right. Whatever it takes for Jesus to feel loved, honored, and adored among us by every one of us. Hmm. That's what I'm after. I love the phrase that you used on Sunday about raising the temperature yes. of worship. Uh, that we, that I, feel, I feel blessed that we have so many of the positive elements uh, it takes uh, to do this right and well as, as a leader of this ministry. And I feel equally as blessed that we, we don't have as many of the negative ones that yeah, sometimes hamper right. it with pretty good scenario. And I love the idea of just taking that and cranking up the volume or cranking up the temperature and having having it go to the whatever that proverbial next level is is hard to we have had this at times sonny where people have said when they come in here and the worship is taking place they will say the holy spirit is here i pray that's true i trust it is mm-hmm. and i trust that we get to the place where every person senses that and people coming in will sense that. And is, f- and is free and compelled to respond whatever to respond. way mm. that, that that needs Absolutely. to be for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is fun. I'm glad we got back to it. I missed yeah. it. And uh, I'm looking really forward to what next week and the weeks upcoming are going to bring. And I hope uh, this has been valuable for you who are listening as well. And don't forget... Uh, you can be involved in this discussion. You can uh, hit us with a question or a comment on Facebook. You can email us at here's the thing at lewisvillebaptistchurch.com. If you have a specific question or a comment you'd like us to grapple with, you can subscribe on iTunes or find us on SoundCloud. Just visit the church Facebook or website to find us. Please feel free to share it with anybody else who you might think 
uh, could get some use from it. And we hope to hear you back again with us next week. For now, that's it for us. See you next time. See ya. Thanks, Thanks guys.